you're listening to the Audacious As Fuck podcast. I'm your host, Martha Ramos, Dominican-born, New York City-raised, a former advertising executive turned coach, speaker, and personal empowerment expert. And I'm on a mission to encourage more women to be the chief empowered officer, aka the CEO, of her life. So if you have the audacity to play by your own rules and are ready to cultivate, elevate, and own a thriving life and business, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Oh, and P.S. as a Latina, get ready to listen to some bilingualism or Spanglish thrown into the mix. So cheers to you, my friend, and I can't wait to get to know you and connect with you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Audacious As Fuck podcast. I am your host, Marta Ramos, and today I am joined by Marcy Moberg. And I'm I'm hoping I said your last name right, Marcy. Forgive me if I didn't. And she's an intuitive coach, healer, and podcast host of Tune In With Marcy. And she's very passionate about helping sensitive souls reconnect with their intuition so they can own their power with authenticity. And with that, I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome to the show, Marcy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And you got my name right. So thank you for that. (laughs) Because sometimes my pronunciation is off the chain, but thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So today I want to talk to you about intuition. I love talking about intuition because I really feel like it's an underrated skill that we're not really taught to think of it as a skill, um, especially as we, you know, whether we're in school and choosing a career or whether we are already in a career track that doesn't quite fit in and we can't really understand why. And a lot of times, you know, our intuition tends to speak to us, but we don't pay attention to the sign. But before we get into all of that woo-woo, spiritual dream and all that good stuff, I want you to share a little bit about your story and what led you to this chapter in your life. Yeah. So my, the way that I got into this work was, um, because I discovered I wasn't following my intuition. I totally agree with you and just want to affirm exactly what you said. It is a skill. We're not really taught it. I think many of us have it when we're young. And then when we move into adulthood, into our professional lives, we get further away from it because it's not valued. Sometimes we may be judged for it. So for myself, I found myself just kind of, I've always been a a big achiever. I come from two parents who are extremely driven because of how, you know, the circumstances they grew from. So they, they were very, very driven. So I was kind of like doubly driven. And I found myself in a situation where I was working in the government and I finally achieved like this tenured government job, which is very, you know, very hard to get coveted. It took me a long time to do that. And I, it's like, even though I like achieved this peak moment of like getting that job, I owned a house at that time. I was pretty, you know, young, I think in my mid twenties at that point. But I just felt super unfulfilled in my life. And it was very, it haunted me a lot. And I couldn't figure out, I think for a long time, and I think women 
tend to, to have this problem where when something doesn't fit, we kind of talk ourselves down from that and say like, oh, I should just be grateful. Oh, I should just try to adapt. Oh, I should just try to work with this more. And I I just had like so much judgment about the fact that I didn't feel fulfilled and that everything felt so off. And I just realized I, I was just really unhappy, but I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. So it kind of started me on this long spiritual, I think like deep, dark night of the soul. Like what's, where, why am I here? (laughs) What's my purpose? Like, I thought this was it. I had invested, I had, and I was investing like a lot of time in my education and my higher education in the same field. And I loved the people I worked with, but I just knew it wasn't a, a match. And that very long spiritual journey, which I, I won't share all of here because your listeners will be here way too long. (laughs) It's like, I took, I walked my way through several, I went really deep in lots of different spiritual traditions. I was going on retreats all the time. And then eventually when I felt like I was kind of reaching like a fever pitch, like breaking point, Mm -hmm. And I knew things needed to shift. And at that point, I had found been meditating for a long time, found yoga. Those two practices really changed my life. I had been working with a coach for a long time who then had been training me and kind of urging me to step into coaching, of which I didn't see myself in that way at all. Even though everyone kept telling me, like, this is what you're supposed to do. I was really in, I think, in denial of that. I think I didn't feel accepted. Um, Worthy of it is maybe the word I could say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I kind of went on this like spiritual pilgrimage and I kind of took uh, some time off of work, drove cross country by myself and just had a lot of time on the road to just think and be with myself. And by the time I came back, I knew like that was it. I didn't know what the net was going to catch me, but I had to leave my government job because it was literally like killing my soul. So I left and then I mean, it sounds like totally cliche, but it is true. Like the net caught me. Like I, as by the time I left, like I got home, I had this speaking of dreams. I had this dream that basically happened on my drive home. And it was like, take your time coming home because there's a lot of work waiting for you. And I was like, what work? <laughs> what are we talking about? But sure enough, by the time I got home, it was like, I just started having clients just coming out of the woodwork. Somehow they would find out about me. I had more opportunities to teach yoga at the time, which I was doing a lot of and meditation. And the next thing I knew, my my income was kind of getting closer to what I had kind of been making or at least doable that I could like leave and pay my rent and feed myself. So I left my job and then I made a commitment. I would just do it for one year. I would leave and just try this thing of being a coach and an entrepreneur for one year. And it was like this pact I made with the universe. And I was like, okay, after that, please let me just go become like a Buddhist nun. Cause I feel like that's what I, I just want to hide away forever <laughs> and just like connect with the cosmos and not have to deal with this, like, you know, <laughs> material stuff like money and financing. But here I am. It's like been seven years. So. Wow. Seven years already. Yeah, seven years already. Congratulations. And and by the way, as you were sharing your story, I was like, first of all, I'm jealous that you had the opportunity to drive across country and kind of find yourself. Um, I, as a woman of color, you know, couldn't afford to do that. Let's be honest. Um, but I love the, the point where you shared about dreams and getting those 
messages in your dreams because I tend to have similar experiences too. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about one in particular that you shared. And I'm just going to bring this up about you being a young at a young age and you got a dream letting you know that your great grandmother was about to pass away. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. My my great grandmother was about to pass away. And I think the thing I'll say about the cross country trip, because I think it's important for people is that that for me only happened because I had gone through a really devastating divorce and, and we sold the house and I had part of money from that house. And that, that was like, gave me a cushion to be able to sleep on people's couches and feed myself for a couple of months. So that's how I did that. And I think that's important to say, because you're exactly right. Like it, it is a financial piece that comes into these, yeah. these places of being able to step away. And if that hadn't happened, which had its other costs, you know, of like going through that devastating divorce and coming out of domestic violence. Um, there's no way I would have been able to do that. Um, so that, that really, that afforded me that. And as far as dreams with my, my great grandmother, this happened to me when I was a child. I had this situation where I had this knowing that my great grandma was going to pass and uh, my great grandmother was kind of like a mother figure for my mom um, and kind of ste- like really stepped in for in, in my mom's household when uh, things were just really unstable there. And so she was I knew very, very special for my mom and also just very special for our family. And she um, I had this knowing that she was going to pass, but we didn't have any indication of that because otherwise her health seemed pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I shared this with my parents, like that we needed to go, you know, I was very young at the time, so I didn't, wasn't able to articulate it like I can now, but I told them, you know, Hey, we need to just, we need to go and see her like as soon as possible. And they were like, well, sorry, but like, we can't do that. We have to go to work and we have to do these things. They didn't understand where my urgency was coming from. And so, um, I believe it was the next day when I, my mom got the phone call that she had passed, it was very confusing for me as a young child to have received that information and to have known that, to not have anyone to talk about that with, and then to also have my family kind of unconsciously, I don't think they meant to do it, but they, you know, they're busy and they just dismissed it. And so that was, that was really hard for me. And I have found a lot in my client work that there are many instances uh, where people have these kind of experiences because as children, we're quite open, we're quite intuitive, mm-hmm. we're quite psychically open. And uh, when we are in a family unit or we're in our caretakers, whoever we're living with at the time, if we don't have a framework for what that means, if we don't have people to validate that, we often end up like shutting that down. And that was certainly the case for me. I shut that down for a long time because it was scary. Like, why do I know grandma's going to die? And then she died. And what do I do with this? Am I, am I bad? Am I evil? Like what's wrong? What am I tapped into? Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. And it's something that I can relate to. Like dreams are messengers. I feel like when you come from a very intuitive or spiritual family, like I do, Um, I remember growing up and doing things behind my parents back and then my mother would somehow find out about it. And I'm like, is she a witch or something like what's going on? But she probably had that strong intuition or had messages given to her in her dreams. But 
I remember, well, this is, this is a story that I don't really share with a lot of people. Um, before this relationship, my old, my ex was actually cheating on me and I had no idea. And I actually had a dream the morning of when he was coming back home to break up with me because of, you know, the excuse they always use. It's not you. It's me. Right. Um, Yeah. And I remember laying in bed and like screaming and being like, wait a minute. Did I just did I just dream that? Like he's about to walk through the door and break up with me. And lo and behold, a couple of hours later, when he came home from work, he broke up with me. And the whole excuse was, it's not you, it's me. Hmm. Let me tell you, little (laughs) by little, mm, my intuition just went into high gear and was like, girl, he's with another girl. (laughs) He's been cheating on you. Get your (laughs) shit together. And watch how all of these signs are going to start appearing. And then all of a sudden I started getting clues. Hmm. So I finally found out that, yes, he was right. It wasn't about me. It was about his lying, cheating ass. Right. And it's funny how things can come to us in, in dreams and prepare us for what's next. So, yeah. How beautiful that that you actually trusted yourself and honored that. I mean, good on you because I have clients that will get intuitive hits uh, about people they're dating or in relationships and they will just, especially depending on their early childhood experiences, sometimes will just dismiss it and dismiss it and dismiss it and ignore it. So, you know, kudos to you for like, having that dream, recognizing it and being like, oh, that's interesting. This thing just happened. I think I can actually trust myself and then trusting yourself in that experience and, and following through on it. I mean, that's beautiful. I'm sure that you you saved yourself. I'm sure it was hard, but you probably saved yourself some confusion and heartache. And like you said, you were able to clearly see like, wait, this is not mine, which is huge. Thank you for that. And it was devastating. It was a very hard loss for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it did take a, a, a mental and emotional toll on me. But it's exactly what you said, as especially as women, we get these signs and we tend to dismiss them. And I want to shift a little bit in gear and then turn that into career mm-hmm. and work. And I know you mentioned earlier about being in your government job and having all these accolades and buying a house and in a relationship, but yet feeling lost and unfulfilled. It's exactly how I felt in my corporate career after 12 plus years. And I'm sure a lot of women and especially professional women that listen to our show can relate. So can you share one or two instances where you felt like this job wasn't for you? And how did you learn to trust your inner voice or intuition in terms of leading you into, you know, that space of, oh, maybe I can become, you know, a coach or maybe I can become an entrepreneur. Can you share just a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I I think for me, it was I kind of felt like I was always, I don't know how to describe it. I guess I kind of always felt a couple of things. I felt like a fish out of water. 
Mm-hmm. So I really felt like I didn't fit. And that was very confusing because on paper, I definitely did. So there was that piece of like feeling like I didn't fit. And also I, I recognized that I, that my potential was really strapped there. And I think for a long time, I internalized that and I blamed myself. So when I would get passed over for promotions or when there was still a lot of issues, I feel like in, in the organization I was in of um, still big hangover of a lot of patriarchal culture. So still being a young woman and then often looking even younger than I am, I was treated a lot as a secretary. So for me, one of the big points for me was I had worked really hard. I had put myself uh, and paid my way through grad school while working full time and while doing some other jobs. And I, I got accepted into a PhD program, which was the best PhD program in the world for my field. And I was going to continue working full time because that's the only way I could afford it. And I was really excited about this. And I, the, the office I was working in at the time, I felt really passionate about. I was a contractor at the time. I was not a full-time employee yet. And they, the, the director pulled me in after I had gotten this acceptance, which was huge for me, which meant that in like a matter of a couple of years, I already was as educated as everyone there. But in a matter of a couple of years, I would have been the most educated person in the office period mm. and specialized, right? And so... I, the director pulled me in and said, Hey, I have this opportunity for you to go full time. And I thought, Oh, great. And the job he offered me was $20,000 less than what I was making and a secretary's job. Wait, backtrack. But yet you had <laughs> all this additional education? Yes. Yes. And I had already been in the organization for years. And I had already been recognized as a leader in my area of expertise. And I had other agencies asking me to, in in the government, asking me to lead trainings and to write manuals for them. It was this very bizarre moment. And at that time in my journey, I at that time I was practicing Muslim. I was very obviously Muslim. I, I used to wear a headscarf. And I felt like... Clearly, there's like some undercurrent happening here. I don't know if this was just a gender thing, if there was a gender and religious issue happening. But then later in my career, in the next office I went to, I it always depended on leadership. I had great leadership and then leadership changed. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I went in and talked to our leader because I was thinking about, well, if I can't get if I can't get into the the civil, like the domestic service of working in the government and I have to always be this contractor, maybe I can be full-time, like permanent job overseas because enjoying like their equivalent of their foreign service, which is what I wanted to do. So I had a conversation with a senior leader who was leading my office and he flat out told me, you're not American enough. What? What a... <laughs> Bullshit is that. <laughs> yes. So I had just way too many. It's, it's like I had overt messages and, and covert messages. And then I had overt messages over time. That was kind of like, you just don't fit. You know, you think differently. You are different. Um, it, it was <laughs> so that all that happened. But I still, because of 
I'm stubborn. I'm a Taurus. And I was like, I'm going to fucking make this work. So <laughs> every time somebody would say something like that, I was like, oh, I'm not American enough. Watch this. And so then <laughs> I would try harder. But the reality was, is that I had all these signs of like, I just felt like there was all these energetic blocks, which mm-hmm. part of it is just social structure problems. Right. But the yeah. other piece was there was energetic blocks that were kind of blocking me. And then in my body, it didn't feel aligned and more and more and more, it didn't feel aligned. And I kept feeling like I was being constrained and I didn't feel like I was valued. And I, you know, I just felt like it was obvious, like I wasn't meant to play the game in that matrix. And eventually that's kind of what people, senior mentors would say to me, like, oh, you, you want to stay here. You got to play the game. I don't want to play the game. That's not who I am. I'm not a play the gamer. That's not how I work. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I hate that phrase. You have to play the game. I remember when people used to say, oh, you know, if you want to get ahead, like you have to kiss people's ass. And I'm like, first of all, I am not an ass kisser. I am here to do a job and that is it. Right. Right. (laughs) But whenever they used to say, oh, but you have to play the game, it's all politics. I'm like, well, fuck your politics. um, Because clearly I don't belong here. Um, And I don't want to have to climb the corporate ladder based on ass kicking. I want it to be based on the value that I bring to the company. Exactly. Exactly. I hate that. (laughs) I'm so with you on that. Amen. And so it's just, I think when that happens for, I think when that happens for women, we do this thing of like, let me just keep trying to make it work. Let me just keep Mm -hmm. trying to make it work. Instead, I would see male colleagues, you know, who would generally grow faster, but also if they didn't see something work, like they'd be like, peace out. And they would just go do something else. And instead, I feel like me and also so many of the clients I've worked with, like women were kind of socialized to try to make things work and to think that we're the problem. And then it becomes like this death by paper cut. So for me, it was like at the, by the time I was like at the end of my career there, even though I was taking excellent self-care of myself, like excellent meditation, yoga, I just felt like at my heart center, almost like panic attack level, like this doesn't match at that point. Mm. It was like the end. Hey, so I'm interrupting this segment to invite you to visit our website and check out the Audacious CEO Club. So make sure you go visit MarthaLRamos.com forward slash CEO Club and join our membership community today. It is the place to be if you want to strengthen your mindset, focus, confidence, commitment, and get to network with other badass women so you can start showing up as the CEO you were born to be. So go ahead, friend, snatch up a spot, and I can't wait to see you inside the club. Let me tell you, when you said panic attack, the first thing that came to me was you've probably reached corporate burnout. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I even remember Hmm. how my intuition or the whispers of my soul, how I like to say, used to give me clues about me being out of alignment. And it would come in the form of panic attacks, depression, insomnia. I mean, at one point I was getting all these weird rashes all over my body and even bronchitis. Like I was constantly at the doctor's office because I couldn't shake off either walking pneumonia or bronchitis. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? 
And it wasn't until years later after I was let go that I realized, Martha, it's been two years since you were let go from work. And guess what? You haven't gotten sick. No more migraines, no more panic attacks, no more weird rashes. And it's interesting how we can reach that boiling point or that point of exhaustion and our body intuition soul is constantly telling us, girl, you need to slow down. You're, you probably don't belong here. I don't care how hard you work or how smart you think you are, but you probably just don't belong here. Like pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I know that you recently did an episode on burnout. Can you just share a little bit about what burnout is and what other symptoms women can look out for? Yeah, I I love that you connected those symptoms for yourself because those are t totally resonate with what often happens for us with burnout. The body basically, in, in my sense, the body starts to scream to us like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you like continue to put yourself, like bend yourself into that shape anymore. So I'm going to create these kill switches and like stop you from bending yourself into that shape or overextending. Like, so then you just can't. <laughs> um, so yeah, burnout is this state of where we have had this extended prolonged period of chronic stress. Um, and this extended prolonged period of chronic stress then ends up creating symptoms in our body. And I think there's also a spiritual element to burnout that people don't often talk about. And I think that's kind of like at the core of what you and I are kind of dancing around and why the body does this, does this thing, which is it, the soul kind of just gets tired of knocking on the door of our heart and saying, um, hello, please choose a different direction or please choose a different way or please take a different step. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. And I think that the way that I see it is that the body is this like extended um, manifestation of that when the, the, the soul gets really tired of knocking and rapping at that door of our heart and says, okay, body, like now you just have to like force it. Now you have to force it to stop. So I think like by the time we end up with those physical symptoms, which I so resonate with, I had panic attacks when I worked in the government. I didn't know what they were and then learned yeah. about them in that process. So I had panic attacks too. I had insomnia. I had anxiety. I had depression. Um, and it, for me, like recognizing those, those pieces, that's like when those show up, it's kind of like it's a very chronic issue at that point. And I think the key is, is learning what are the signs for us sooner in the process. And as women, like, be, like everything we're talking about, because of how we're socialized, we are socialized to have to overextend ourselves. We're socialized to try to be like even more smart, even smarter, even brighter, even sharper, like demonstrate your value even more. I feel like we have to always overextend. And so it's kind of like built in that we're always how we're socialized, unless we kind of come back and start to strip that off and come yeah. back to what does it mean? What, what are my boundaries? What are my limits on my terms? Then we automatically will overstep our boundaries. And it's something that I think uh, most of us as women have to work through basically our whole life because we can reclean up that inner house of ourselves. We can get into alignment with our soul 
And then you step outside, you see the news, the media, social media, whatever that is. Those images are inviting us to do the opposite. It's getting better, but we still have a long way to go. And so then it's like, we have to clean it up all over again. So I think some of the early signs of burnout can just be a little bit more subtle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe like, you know, noticing um, like just some gentle noticing of like, there's like a little more tension in the body or you notice like something happening in your gut. I always tell people you want to learn your body's blueprint and you want to know what is the blueprint of when your body's saying no and when your body's saying yes. And if your body is starting to give you those no signs, which everyone has different signs of what that is. But for me, it was often like my, my gut kind of getting tight or my heart kind of racing a little bit because I'm starting to feel like unsafe out of alignment. Um, these like very low level body symptoms can start to give us some clues. But also sometimes it's just connecting back to the dreams sometimes our dreams are, are starting to kind of bring those clues into us. Um, you know, I had dreams of quitting my job for a long time before I actually quit it. And I should have recognized that that was my soul being like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Been there. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. And yeah. that 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 point of I'm going to make it work, you're right. I feel like as women, we're taught to just deal with it, right? Like we're supposed to be these superhumans, mm. um, caretakers, nurturers, that we're just supposed to learn how to deal with shit instead of confronting whatever issue, whether it's career, relationship, family, whatever the case might be. And we're supposed to be okay with it. And I'm like, no, that is not right. And just because I'm a woman and you're a man, like, why are we raising our children to think that way? That just doesn't fly with me. So, and I love the the metaphor that you use in terms of your soul knocking on the door, telling you to please choose a new direction. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so, it is really quiet at first is my experience is like, it's our our spirit, our soul is, our intuition is very loving. And so it will come. It's like, it is like the, I feel like it is the ultimate archetypal, like unconditionally loving, like parent. And it will come in and like gently nudge us. But you know, a loving parent also at a certain point will be like, sorry, this is the boundary, right? Like, no, or sorry, I know that this is painful to have to go to the doctor and do this thing, but we have to do this for your health. And I kind of feel like intuition operates in that way. It starts out as like this loving, like gently trying to guide us internal navigation. And, you know, it's pretty patient with us. And then, but after a certain point, if we keep ignoring, then the volume just gets louder. Yeah. And it comes a little bit more like tough love. Absolutely. Or that cry for help. I usually like to say that your intuition is like your compass, like your internal GPS, um, leading you in the right direction or path that's for you. But a lot of us get caught in terms of wanting to follow someone else's steps, someone else's path, because we, we see it work for them. And we assume that if we do the same thing they did, then you know, we'll reach the same level of, of success or whatever the case might be. 
Um, but no, it doesn't work. Um, it never does. So ladies, if you guys are listening to this, please start paying attention to the whispers of your soul, those soft little nudges, um, whether in dream form or body, letting you know that you're out of alignment. Um, and with that, Marcy, I want us to share a couple of tips on how women can start listening, but more importantly, trusting their intuition. And I know that for me, I'm a big advocate about slowing down in order to speed things up Mm -hmm. um, and how slowing down can help, you know, replenish our mind, body and soul. Mm -hmm. So what are one or two tips that you can give women based on your um, expertise to teach these women how to start paying attention and trusting themselves? Well, I love that you started, you mentioned slowing down because it's always like my first piece of advice, slow down, slow way down, even more than you think, <laughs> because it, so it's, it's in the slowing down that we can catch these, um, these subtle messages and, and intuition speaks quieter, more subtly than the ego, the intellect, the mind part of us. It just has, it's a different uh, radio channel that we're tuning into. In order to start to hear that frequency, we need to slow down and slowing down helps us to start to do that. So I love that you suggested that. I I often recommend that people get familiar with um, their heart space. It's usually like the, the starting point and recognizing the difference like there's, it's more complicated than this, but the way that I like to start with it is like, what's the difference between your head and your heart, mm-hmm. right? And and knowing those two channels and a way to do that is to just check in with your heart every day. So I'll recommend that people, you know, just kind of center yourself in your own way, get in touch with the sensations that you're physically feeling in your heart and then ask your heart and, and ask the question out loud, dear heart, what would you have me know right now? And then just sit and listen, like as if you're sitting at a table with an old beloved friend that you just love dearly, you know, and just listen to what comes up. And oftentimes at the beginning, people may not hear a response. That's okay. These are like bridges that have, for many of us, because we're not practiced, have grown like lots of weeds and vines and everything over. So it's like, once we start to show up and we start to ask the question and we start to tend to that heart space, it's, it's like our intuition goes, Oh, she's finally picking up the phone. Mm. I'll start calling because I know she'll answer. And so that's like usually my first place that I recommend people start is having that daily practice of asking dear heart, what would you have me know? And then uh, making a decision, making decisions, but starting with like small ones, like very simple, maybe more mundane pieces. Like, what am I going to eat tonight? Or do I want to do this or that? Or would I like to watch this show or read a book? Like starting with mundane ta- like choices that don't feel so charged Yeah, and asking, you know, kind of checking in with that hard space and, and kind of maybe holding the option, like, okay, I'm going to, watch this show. I decide I'm going to watch the show. How does that feel in my heart space? Or I'm going to read this favorite book. How does that feel in my heart space? Notice what's happening in that space when you hold those two choices. And you'll often find that maybe with the choice that your, your, your soul, your heart is asking you 
to follow your intuition, you have might have more spaciousness, you might feel a relaxing, you might feel any holding that's happening kind of melting off. Or it might just feel like a yes, or you might hear it. Yes, like this is mm. this is where I want to go. So it's, it's nice to start with those two pieces, because then you kind of start to prime the prompt pump of that, that channel, and it gets easier. And then you can move to more complicated questions like, okay, do I want to stay at this job or not? Oof, I, I love adding that piece of asking yourself questions. Usually I recommend my clients that they ask the questions and journal around it. But I love how you shared about just getting into the habit of starting to ask ourselves these questions, mm-hmm. especially out loud. Um, so thank you so much for showing that. Now, there's something on your website that I totally love. <laughs> quote, make your intuition the CEO of your life, unquote. Yes. When I read that. I was like, oh, she's one of mine. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I usually like to ask our guests. So to you, what does it mean to be the CEO of your life? Yes. Uh, and I love that you love that quote. I thought of, I thought of you when I, I thought of that quote when I saw like I was filling out everything for coming on this show. I was like, oh, I, we're going to like each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely for me, being the CEO of my life is keeping my intuition at the, the boardroom seat, like basically at the head of the table, right? Because we all have this internal table of different parts of ourselves, our, our intellect, our, the driven part, the, the caretaking part, the inner children, the inner teenagers. We have a lot, like we're very complex beings. We like to think of ourselves as quite simple, but it's like, Actually, when you tune into your inner table, it's quite crowded. (laughs) And so for me, being the CEO of my life is making sure that that wise part of myself, that intuition is the one that's at the head of the table and she's the one leading the rest. So she's the one setting the vision. She's the one setting the tone. She's the one assessing the decisions. And then these other parts of me, like my intellect, can be the ones that execute. And they're the ones that kind of move the plan forward. They're the ones that take the vision and translate it into material reality. Mm, I love that. I've never heard anyone phrase it that way, but I totally love it and totally get it how your intuition is like head of the table making decisions. And then your analytical part of your brain is the one taking action. Yeah. Yeah, because so often we we flip it with like the, the part of us that's like very analytical and like linear and fact driven is also usually the part of us that can in, in a shadow side can slip into worry and anxiety. So if you put that part of you at the table, like that's where overthinking comes in. The when It's kind of like for me, a sign of the wrong like part of us at the center of the table is, is things like overthinking. Overthinking is like, oh, the intellect is taking over the boardroom seat. And our intuition is just lovingly just sitting like kind of watching our intellect kind of go crazy and like, okay, are you done yet? Uh, I'll be, I'd be ready to, I'm ready anytime to come and take this off your hands. I, it's going to be a, a lot better if you just let me do this, but okay, go on, go on. Like, Hmm. Was that how I felt when I used to be in these boring ass team meetings and people just used to love talking about their shit? And I used to sit there and be like, are we done yet? (laughs) With my intuition's way of saying these people need to go. (laughs) 
Yeah, and perspective. You have wider perspective when when our intuition is there. You ha- are able to have like that wider perspective of like, does is this really matter? Is this really where our attention should be? That yeah. part of us can do that, but the the mind can kind of get down rabbit holes. So rabbit rabbit holes, overthinking, worrying, too many pros and cons lists tell us that the wrong part of us is in the CEO seat. We need to switch that around. Mm, I love that. And lastly, what's the most audacious thing you've done? I feel like I've done a lot. I, I live, I live my life by, you know, this, this other personal mantra I have is like being you takes courage. So I feel like, I mean, definitely leaving my government job was pretty audacious because I had $300 to my name and I needed to like hit the ground running because I had no, no net. So like that was a lot. And then, and I had to figure out a way to make that work. Um, but I think another part of me that was really audacious was just, uh, after I went through a divorce, just taking the courageous step to, um, start to really dive into my own personal healing, um, and, and facing some of some, some really scary skeletons in my closet that made me the person I am and start to understand that some of like, I have a history of, uh, complex trauma in my early childhood. And, and having the courage to do that, but then on top of it, having the courage to have some really honest conversations with my family members about what happened, um, that for me took a lot of audacity. I feel like I've done a lot of hard things in my life. That was the hardest. Mm, well, I want to make sure I honor you because I... It- didn't go unnoticed when you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about, you know, you having to go through domestic violence and, you know, divorce. So I just want to honor your courage and say that you are the CEO of your life. And it's been an honor to get to know you, Marcy, and know that you have a friend and (laughs) I can't wait for you to come back on the show and we can talk about all these other woo-woo stuff, but I definitely want to honor your courage for being here today and for, you know, taking a stand for yourself. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And likewise, thank you for creating this awesome platform where you yourself show up and embody the, the you know, audacious fuckness. And, <laughs> and then you get to have all these powerful women on it. You know, I've listened to several episodes and <laughs> you have just like, you're, you're bringing important conversations to light for, for women. So yeah, thank, thank you for you. that. Thank you. I appreciate you. And with that, I want to say, Marcy, thank you so much for joining our show. And, you know, I'm going to end it with her quote, you know, make your intuition the CEO of your life. And with that, I am going to say thanks for tuning in, guys, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, letting us know if this is helping you in your life. Also, please share the love with other audacious women so they too can join our community. And speaking of community, please make sure to visit our website at MarthaLRamos.com and subscribe to our newsletters for more tools, resources, and motivation. And you can start by downloading your free guide, How to Get Clear as Fuck Even During Uncertain Times. And with that, until next time, friends.